0: nope we don't need to speed up the process we don't need to nuke this you know why because this is the non-microwave truth i am cl whiteside the little man that could the little man that would and this is brought to you by time of grace ministry we did it we did it some of you are like hold on what did we do we got over 105 star ratings on apple and over 50 on spotify keep them coming Keep them coming and shout out to Brad for writing a review on Apple. The reason that's important is because that's how some people base if they're going to listen to the podcast. So make sure you keep them coming. But enough of that. Let's get into our first world problem. Now, this is a straight up first world problem because football season is here. So that means I'm going to watch more television. I'm going to watch the NFL. I'm going to watch my Packers. I'm going to watch Jordan Love do his thing. But with more television comes more commercials. And I was just thinking about this because every once in a while, I'll see a commercial and I'll be like, hold up. Wait a minute. I see what you're trying to do there. I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to you're trying to make me become callous. You're trying to make it seem like that's not sin or that doesn't go against God's word. But I want you to think about this. What commercials, what products are being commercialized, showing us on TV that they want to promote sin? What commercials, what products are promoting the most sin, the most things that go against God's word? Now, there were a few that jumped out to me right away. Like you ever seen like an HIV uh, AIDS commercial and they're trying to have like medication for it. And they're like it can go undetected and you can go join with your spouse or with your boyfriend or girlfriend. But then they always show like two dudes holding hands, like walking on the beach. And I'm just like, hold up, pause. I, I-, I see what you're trying to do there. I-, I get what you're trying to do right there. Or you ever seen condom commercials where they make it seem like it's so fantastic to have sex outside of marriage and just have sex any and every time you want to with anybody as long as you're doing it safe or adult beverages when they promote alcohol and they're saying, get drunk to have a good time. They're they're switching up a little bit with that because they're trying to say, do it in a safe and responsible way, responsibly get drunk. And I feel like the other two are also saying responsibly and safely as you possibly can try to avoid the consequence and sin. But what commercial or what product comes to your mind when you think like, man, this commercial is high key or low key trying to promote sin. And I feel like we just have to be conscious of that because they're always trying to influence us and get us to be like, this isn't that bad or get us to be callous to it. Now, I would love to hear from you on Instagram or Twitter. My handle is Life 23 And if you're on YouTube, drop it in the comments. What commercials do you feel like are low-key or high-key promoting sinning and going against God's word? And this is our first world problem it is dinner time the 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 title of our episode today is silent killers now i want you to think about some things that you are shameful of things that you're embarrassed about something that you might even call a dark secret And with that, that means you have to remember some of your failures. You have to remember some of your traumas. You have to remember some of your shortcomings and and bad choices and sins that you have actually done. And sometimes those things can actually be beneficial because it keeps us from repeating that same sin, that same mistake, going down that same path. And it allows us to maneuver a little different because we like, I'm not going back down that road. But at times, and if we don't handle it right, and that's what we're going to look at on this episode of Silent Killers, is it makes us crippled. It makes us unable to move forward because we're holding on to something and it's so heavy that we can't move forward like like we should. Or we're constantly looking back when we should be looking forward. It also can make us really helpless and make us have the attitude of, oh, well, I might as well do it again because that bad choice, that thing that defines me. And we think that's what makes us who we are. So we say, you know, oh, well, I might as well give into it again because it doesn't matter. And on this episode of, of Silent Killers, we're going to look at how that is such a lie and how we can maneuver, even though we might have some some big time shame or or embarrassment or something. That's a, a huge secret that we don't want anyone to, to know about. And we're going to look at some people in the Bible and how they handled. Some of the things that they were battling inside, because we don't want these things to be killing us as Christians. God created us to, to live and to strive when we're, we're living, not to be in some rudder or not to be um, being crippled or, or, or held back. And the first person that I want to look at in the Bible is King David. And the reason I want to look at King David is because he once was called a man. After God's own heart But I feel like he represents that person That most of us say, man, they're a really good person Because on paper, King David had it all he, he had it going on, you know Like he had tons of military victories He had a ton of success Like I said, he was once called a man after God's own heart This would be equivalent to somebody Who's a, a great church goer. They've been going to church all their life Most of their friends would say, dude, they are awesome They are a really, really good person But he had a, a deep, dark secret that he was super shameful about and ended up being super embarrassed about. And I want to just see how he responded to that. Now, to give you a little background, like how did King David get to this place, uh, this super dark place? King David had an affair with a woman that was not his wife, obviously. He had he had an affair with another man's wife. King David then got this woman pregnant. He, thought he didn't think it was going to turn out like that. When he got the woman pregnant, he tried to have the husband come back and sleep with the wife so that he could pawn it off and say, look, you just got pregnant by your, by your husband. But that didn't work out because the husband was so upright and he was like, no, nah, I, can't, I can't have sex with my wife while all my brother's out at war. That's not fair. So then what did King David do? King David then set up a plan to have this man killed in battle. Like, all right, this is the go signal. Just don't tell him the signal. So then he'll be standing there and then he will get killed. And, and that plan actually happened. And then King David said, I'll swoop in and I'll be like, hey, I'll take this woman to be my wife because she's a widow. And then I will look like the good guy. That was his his plan. But King David had to be called out on his clear wrongdoing. And that's that's where we're going to pick up at. This is in Second Samuel, chapter 12, verse 13. So when King David was called out on his mess and, and the prophet Nathan had to tell him, like, bro, you are clearly wrong. This is how David responded. And this is how we should respond. Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. So he said, man, what I did was wrong. The first thing he did was was confess his sin. Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you and you won't die for this sin. Now, the beautiful thing about this, David had his pastor. He had his friend. He had his, his another Christian remind him of God's great mercy. It goes on to say, nevertheless, because you have shown utter contempt for the word of the Lord by doing this, your child will die. So, whoa, that that's interesting right there, right? God forgives him, but there's still a a consequence. Now the enemy's trick or sometimes the misconception that we have with God is that God doesn't love us. If something bad happens, especially when it comes, something bad happening because of our sin, our bad choice, our mistake. But we have to realize like there are consequences to sin. There are absolutely consequences to sin. Now, at times we think we aren't forgiven. We think we aren't redeemed because we're living. We're living in the consequence of the sin. We're living in the consequence of the choice that we made. So we're living in that consequence of the sin and the choice that we made. And then we like God must not love me or God, you know, what? I must not be really redeemed. And it's like, no, it's just that that's a consequence of sin. But we have to remember our consequences are not bigger than our God. Look at what it goes on to say in verse 15. It says, after Nathan returned to his home, the Lord sent a deadly illness to the child of David and Uriah's wife. That's Bathsheba. David begged God to spare the child. He went without food and lay all night on the bare ground. The elders of his household pleaded with him to get up and eat with them. But he refused. Man, I, I can't remember. Being in a state of depression before because of some of the stupid sins, some of the stupid choices that that I made. And it's like, man, you just want to you just want to stay. You just want to stay in bed because you like super ashamed. And if you've ever been through that, we really got to look at how David responded to this. It says, then on the seventh day, the child died. David's advisors were afraid to tell him. This is what they thought. He wouldn't listen to reason while the child was ill. They said, what drastic thing will he do when we tell him the child is dead? Now look at David's amazing response. When David saw them whispering, he realized what had happened. Is the child dead? He asked. Yes, they replied. He is dead. Then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotions and changed his clothes. He went to the tabernacle and worshiped the Lord. And I just I thought that was such a great point for us to remember, like, man, worship, worship, even if we don't feel like it, worship, if it doesn't even feel good, like our feelings will catch up later. But that doesn't change the fact that God is that good and God is that awesome. Just something that's mind blowing to, to learn from David in that moment. Worship, even if you don't necessarily feel like it and worship, even when something bad happens. Look at what it says after that. it says after that, he returned to the palace and was served food and ate. His advisors were amazed. We don't understand you, they tell him. While the child was still living, you wept and refused to eat. But now that the child is dead, you have stopped your mourning and are eating again. David replied, I fasted and wept while the child was alive. For I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he is dead? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. So check that out. David knew God's promises, and he knew that the Lord had paid his debt from a spiritual sense, a spiritual and eternal standpoint, which is that's the most important thing. That's absolutely the the most important thing. Now, when you get some time, you might want to even read Psalm 51. That's where David is worshiping and he's confessing his sin like he's worshiping in his time of what appears to be like depression and anxiety. And you know what? When you worship God restores you. God restored David. That's just something for us to to take to heart, to get rid of those silent killers and to thrive. Worship so God can restore us. Now, in this episode of Silent Killers, I feel like we have to look at two followers of Jesus. And when they experience that shame and that regret the two differences in in how they responded. And the first disciple we're going to look at is Judas. And the second disciple we're going to look at is Peter. But first I want to think about, look at Judas, which comes in Matthew chapter 27, verse three through five. And and with Judas, this is like him betraying a, a great friend. And I want you to think about those who have committed affairs, those who have broken hearts of their loved ones, those who have murdered someone, or I think about abortion. A lot of times people have regret and they have embarrassment and shame with abortions. And if you support it or you encourage someone to get an, uh, an abortion, um, think about those who have been in really, really bad relationships and made some horrible choices, some things that they like, man, I wish I could have this back. I just want you to think about anyone who's like, I can't believe I did that. That is so embarrassing. That is so shameful. I think that we all have been in that position at times. Now, this is the position that that Judas was in. Judas had sold his best friend, sold his best friend to the enemy for 30 pieces of silver. He betrayed him. He set him up to get arrested. And just look at what happens with this. Look at what happens with this. And to give you perspective, this was during the time that Jesus had just got arrested Jesus was going to go on trial. Jesus was eventually going to die and be crucified on a cross. And they had to be thinking like, my bad choices, my sins are the reason that he is dying. And this is not how either one of them had planned it. This is verse three. When Judas, who had betrayed him, Jesus, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and he returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said. It was super great for him to realize that he had sinned, but he didn't think that Jesus could pay his sin. And I think sometimes people forget that Judas actually was super sorry. He was super remorseful. He completely knew what he did was wrong, but he did not trust. He did not believe that God could pay his sin. And that's something that all of us have to battle at times when we do some do some bad things. The enemy and our sinful nature would be like, your sin is so bad that it's not paid for. And that is a lie. So he says, I have sinned. And then Judas goes on to say, for I have betrayed innocent blood. So if someone comes to you and they confess their sins, it's our responsibility as Christians to pick that person up. But look at how these people that were supposed to be church going people, the priests and and the elders responded. They said, what is that to us? They replied. That's your responsibility. So the main point with this is like when you go to church, when you speak to people, uh, when you speak to Christians, when you speak to a pastor, you are supposed to be reminded of the fact that Jesus's tomb is empty and that you have grace and mercy. And because of Jesus's tomb being empty, your log, your catalog of wrongdoings is also empty because of Jesus. Rising from the dead and his tomb being empty. It goes on to say in verse five, so Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. Now, sometimes we can get in these ruts and I know people definitely think about suicide. But what we have to realize is that sin was not unforgivable. Judas thought his sin was unforgivable. And that is not true. That is one of the greatest lies of the enemy. It's such a big lie. It's such a big lie. And then I think another thing that we have to learn from Judas is we have to be so careful who we turn to in those times. Oftentimes we turn to people that have encouraged us or helped us get in that bad situation. So what I mean by that is um, you you have committed an abortion. You can't turn to the people that encouraged you or supported you to get an abortion. You can't turn to the person who. Who 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 helped you get in that situation and say you should do this. You know, I think about alcoholics. A alcoholic can't turn to someone who says, Man, I loved when you were drunk. I love the drunk you. I don't like the new you. Like you can't turn to that that type of person. You can't turn if you if you committed an affair, you can't turn to someone who helped cover your affair and helped you sin in in that way. Like that just doesn't make any type of sin. I think about people who are in or were in bad relationships, you can't turn to the person that was that was it. you were in that relationship, that person that you were having sex with outside of marriage, that person who was mistreating you in that relationship. Like that just doesn't make sense. And you definitely don't want to turn to people who do not know Jesus. People that do not know Jesus because they, they will send you off and they will make it worse. Now, let's look at how Peter responds. Now, to give you background on Peter, Peter was one of Jesus' closest disciples. And Peter told Jesus, like, I will never deny you. And Jesus like. You will de- you're gonna end up denying me. And Peter's like, I'm not gonna do it. I watch, watch. I'll never do that, Lord. Watch. I would never do that. Now let's look at what happens in Matthew 26, verse 69 through 75. Peter ends up denying them. It says, Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and the servant girl came to him saying, You were also with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are saying. So I thought this was super interesting. My, my life application Bible uh, pointed this out that all the Christians have to be leery of is that sometimes when people ask us about Jesus, we play confused and we play dumb. And that's not a good thing to do. And it breaks down three different things that we usually do, which three things that Peter did. Verse 71 says, and when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied with an oath. I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, surely you are also one of them for your speech. Like, bro, you talk like them. You got that accent. You got that Galilean twang. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. And what I just wanted to point out to you is believers who deny Jesus, they often begin doing it subtly. Like by pretending they don't know him or they're too new to discuss guys word. Like, I don't really know guys word. I really can't talk to you about it. Now, when religious stuff comes up, usually they, they avoid it. If the kitchen gets even hotter, they may deny the relationship with God at, at all. This sounds, does this sound like you at all? Does this sound like you at all? Because if it does, you got to watch out. You definitely have to watch out. You're on the road of disowning Jesus then. It goes on to say immediately after he got done doing all this denying, immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and he wept bitterly. But let's look at how Peter responded. Peter, unlike Judas, He ended up being around people that loved Jesus and were followers of Jesus. It says that the disciples were together with each other. Luke 24 verse 9 says, When they came back from the tomb, they told all the things to the eleven and to all the others. And then Peter in verse 12, he ran to the tomb. But that makes it very clear that Peter wasn't by himself. Peter was with the other disciples. He was with other people that love Jesus. Now, in our world... We definitely have the church. Hopefully you have some Christian friends. But what we also have to remember is like you can get counseling and I will highly recommend that at times to get Christian counseling. Though, you need people to reflect and to point you back to Christ and what he has done for you. I I guess, you know, worldly counseling can be good, secular counseling. But it's nothing like having someone point you back to, to God and to Jesus and his grace and his mercy and someone who loves him. Because that can give you the the truth that you really need. Sometimes, you know, the secular counseling, it definitely can be good, but you might have that missing piece. And that's why I would say, you know, Christian counseling is something that's super awesome. Now, something else to see on how Peter responded is Peter didn't reject the message. Like he heard the gospel message. And in Mark 16, verse 6, the the angel makes this very clear that there's a message for, for Peter. When he's talking to to Mary Magdalene and he's talking to the women and he's like, you know what? Make sure you tell Peter this because the tomb was empty and they were all confused. They all were like, man, I don't know what to do. It says, but he said to them, this is the angel. Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter. He specifically said Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. Now the angel mentions Peter specifically so that Peter knew that Jesus didn't reject him. And what the enemy does when we do these, these hideous and horrible sins and make these choices, the enemy was like, you know, Jesus don't mess with you no more. Jesus has rejected you. But this just reminds us, and Peter didn't reject that message, that Jesus still loved him. Peter didn't reject that message. Now... Peter had to go back and Peter had to eventually humble himself because Peter ended up becoming the uh, the the rock on which Jesus built his, his church on. And what we see with this is he allowed the, the spirit to to strengthen him. He allowed the spirit to to give him the strength that he needed. His position of power came from the spirit and that wasn't because like Peter's past he he let go of that he definitely let go of that. Now, something that I want to point out with you with this Jesus, um, when Jesus rose from the dead and when us when we are going through um, depression and anxiety, these different silent killers, these different things, when we feel just absolutely horrible, is that grief blinds us. Grief blinds us and doesn't allow us to see Jesus for who he is. And I thought about this when I was reading and I was looking at the the two disciples that were on the road to Emmaus. They didn't even recognize Jesus. And it's like, why didn't they recognize Jesus? Because of their grief. Mary Magdalene, when she first saw Jesus, she didn't recognize him. Why didn't she recognize him? Because of her grief. And that's the same thing with us. Our grief doesn't allow us to recognize Jesus jesus at times but that doesn't change the fact that he is god and that's when we really want to be in the word we really want to be surrounded by christians we really want to hear about the promises that god ha- has given us the promises that he's like you know don't you remember I-, I said this in the scripture don't you remember that that i love you those are the promises that we constantly need to hear and constantly need to be reminded of because when you think about this when jesus rose from the from the dead that empty tomb that empty tomb allowed us not to be slaves to the law, but we are actually under his grace, under his undeserving grace. And as believers, we, we don't have to be silent killers like we don't have to have any silent killers. We can live as believers. We can live as believers. And to wrap this up, I want to look at Second Corinthians five verse 17 through 19. This is so encouraging. This is so encouraging for believers. It says this, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. So when we are in Christ, we are a new person. That's why we can get rid of those silent killers. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. We are so worried about people with jacked up issues and how they view us that we forget to think about like how God views us. How does God view us? God views us as a new person. He he views us as holy and righteous because of what Jesus has done And it goes on to say And all of that is a gift from God Who brought us back for himself through Christ And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him That's like not counting our, our wrong against us For God was in Christ Reconciling the world to himself No longer counting people's sins against them, And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation Because of the empty tomb Because of seeing us as Christ, as perfect, as blameless, and as worth loving. And this is the non-microwave truth. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Silent Killers. Peace, punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I am out.